Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current sports social worker. On today's episode, we're joined by Ben Martin, former Troy University sprinter, author of Life After the Field, and business owner. Ben joins us today to talk about his own experience as a sprinter at the university level, his life after his track and field career, and the transition points that he went through. Ben highlights his experience of writing his book, becoming a, a more holistic person, and helping us here to shatter the stigma and not the athlete. Thank you, stay well, and enjoy. And folks, we're back to Courtside Wellness. Today, we are joined by Ben Martin, former student athlete and author of Life After the Field. Thanks, Ben, for joining us here on Courtside Wellness today. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited today. Really appreciate you joining us here. You got a great social media page that talks about your own experience and, of course, your book, Life After the Field. So, again, I'm just going to throw the ball over to yourself to let us know who you are. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Ben Martin. I'm originally from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, Ironically enough, I'm not an Alabama fan, so any uh, fans out there, you know, don't kill me. But, you know, that's my home. I had a long career of being an athlete, 17 years to be exact. Um, I started with, of course, any athlete would start with Little League, right? I played baseball and football annually until I got to high school and I started running track. And track ended up being my segue into college athletics, and so once I signed with Troy University and became a short sprinter on their team and being involved in their program, um, I was blessed to reach amazing heights with that. Um, I'm a 100-meter dash record holder at that school. I'm on the 200-meter dash record list. I think I might be like number five or number four at this point. I am a three-time NCAA regional qualifier. I'm a two-time Sun Belt. 100 meter dash champion. I'm a two-time NCAA academic American, All-American. So the list goes on, man. Uh, Troy University blessed me so much. And I got to meet so many great people and so many great influences within that program. So after I graduated college and I got into what I call the adult world, where you're working and you're just trying to get through the nine and five and readjust to what your new life is, I started to slowly get to a point of feeling, you know, depression of not being able to find the same passion I had for track and field, for athleticism, that same drive I had in sports. And I don't know what it was, but something woke up in me one day of just wanting to find that drive and live a different life and be intentional with where I wanted my life to go. And so I knew it wasn't going to be in sports anymore because I already put away that, you know, my sports career is over. Track was done and I was not going to be able to go back to track, but it allowed me to reach deeper back into my childhood years and understand and establish that I had many more talents than just track and field, than just being an athlete. And this was an opportunity to pull on those, those old strings of what I wanted to be in life. And I told myself I was going to leave this world empty and do everything and anything I wanted to do. So as a childhood dream kind of developed into a more of a college dream that I never acted on. I always wanted to own my own menswear business. So I started my own men's lifestyle company, uh, Martin Etiquettes. And through that company, um, I was able to publish the book Life After the Field. So I was an author on top of that. I got into ministry as well and started preaching. I joined the military and commissioned as an officer. 
So I'm an officer in the United States Army as well. So there's a multitude of things that I've gotten into after sports, but it all came from understanding that I was so much more than an athlete and allowing myself the the risk and opportunity to get back out there again and try something new and fail and go through that rookie season of life of, you know, you're wondering what you have. If you're going to do something new, if you're going to move to something better, you have to be able to take those risks and try something new. But in a nutshell, you know, I've kind of rambled a little bit. That's me. And Ben, the part I really love about that is the fact that you didn't just talk about your athletic experience, because again, that shows you're more than just an athlete. You talked about, again, your passions in terms of men's clothing. You talked about your passion in terms of ministry work. You talked about your work in the forces. You are more than just your sport which I think oftentimes athletes get lost in terms of that identity part of being an athlete. I am a sprinter and that's all I've been told for my whole career. How did that realization come for yourself? Um, For one, I think I always have to thank my parents. Uh, I had amazing parents. So my mom and dad raised me my whole life. They were both educators, but they never really allowed me to get to a space to solely rely on my athletic ability to form my identity. So they always push me to do new things. They always push me to try new things. But of course, as you get older and you move through life, right, track and field was the one way for me to pay for school. And I'm very thankful for Troy University for giving me that opportunity because, you know, the way college works nowadays and how much college is, it's a blessing to be able to be a part of a program that allows you to pay for school. But unfortunately, in that time of, you know, Being an athlete and getting caught up in the life of running track and being solely focused into that, you kind of make that your life because, you know, especially in college when this is how I'm paying for my school. Right. So you really you you buy in and you become committed to this thing and you kind of get tunnel vision where this is your life. Right. This is how you see yourself. This is how you're navigating your world. And, you know, I made good grades in college, which is great. uh, Hence the academic All-American honors. But we really don't take a whole lot of time to think about, you know, what's going to happen after this last race, what's going to happen after the lights go off, what happens after, you know, I shoot my last shot. What does my life look like? The grades is a requirement, of course, but we don't often have conversations with athletes of what's the next move going to be when you're done? Because one day this all has to end, but your life has to keep going on, right? Your life doesn't stop after your sports career ends. It's just the beginning of the next part of your life. So I thank my parents for that. They always, they always made me try new things and never allowed me not to be creative and stretch my mind, which was a great foundation to go back to after track ended, because I definitely wandered for a moment of being lost and just looking for other athletic outlets to get into. And when I really stopped and remembered those old things I'd been taught, right, that I wanted to be an author. I wanted to join the military. I wanted to do a whole lot of things I just never pursued. So at being an athlete was one thing that helped me be successful in one part of my life. But that doesn't mean those old dreams I had as a child or that I had in college that I couldn't necessarily devote the same amount of time to couldn't now be accomplished. I just needed to transfer that same commitment, that same drive, that same discipline into those new areas. And did it take time to kind of have that realization or would you say it was during your time at Troy University or was it following that extent you talked about as you entered into your adult phase of life, we'll say? Absolutely. I think I think it took me about, I would say, a six to six month to a year period until it finally hit me that, you know, life is different. 
Because I think when once your sport is over, you're just happy that you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. anymore. You know, you're pretty happy that you don't have two a day workouts. You're not on a strict diet. You can pretty much do what you want now. You have that freedom you always wanted when you were in college. But once everything kind of settles in, you know, that it's over and you kind of it kind of settles in when you start to see those bodily changes. Right. Uh, You look in the mirror and you might not be as shredded as you used to be. I think my first realization for me was um, because I'm being a a sprinter, you naturally have to have a very lean body. Right. Um, You're lifting all the time. You're very cut. And I remember having like there's an old picture I had at the pool and I have like an eight pack and I always loved that picture. But I remember looking in the mirror after I retired and like the eight pack was gone. And I was like, oh, man, this is really I'm really changing. Right. Like I'm, I'm not that guy anymore. And it kind of takes you down this road of, well, if I don't have an eight pack anymore, I'm probably not as fast as I used to be. I'm probably nowhere near as explosive. Right. And you, you go back and reminisce on those days and you want them back. And we can kind of get stuck there and thinking those were the best days I've ever had in my life. And I'm never going to have any better days moving forward instead of transferring that to excitement for what's to come. Right. We can kind of get stuck in the past of what was, um, which ironically enough, robs us of what we can be. We all have so much potential to be so much. But being an athlete, especially in society today, we associate so much success with that and so much of our livelihood to that, that the idea of shifting to be something totally different, you know, is almost foreign to us. And in terms of that stuck feeling, in terms of the realization and the difficulty in terms of coping with that, how did you handle that or cope with that when you started to realize the changes that you're going through mentally and physically? I think the the first coping mechanism I tried to do, and I think every athlete kind of resorts to it, is, you know, finding another sport, right? Trying to find another sport to get that fixed. And uh, for me, I tried to get into, like, CrossFit. I tried to get into uh, American Ninja Warrior. I loved that, like, going to the gyms and training and doing that. But it just really never gave me the passion that I had for track and field, right? And, it, and it's almost kind of funny because I look at track and field as like a girlfriend I had for like seven to eight years. Right. And we had this relationship and I went through a breakup with her and me trying to find the other sports is me trying to like go from rebound to rebound, trying to make something work instead of having to sit with myself and realize that track and field was a really special sport to me. And I had a really special relationship Uh, with it for what it blessed me to be able to do with my life and the success it allowed me. Um, And so instead of just mourning that there was a loss there of not being able to run track anymore, of not being able to experience that lifestyle, right? I was trying to replace it. And I think once I accepted that track and field was over and that was its own relationship that I had a passion for that can't just be easily replaced, it allowed me to sit with myself and do the deep work to, to think about, well, what do you really want to do, right? What are your wildest dreams? You know, what are the things you thought about as a little kid that you wanted to be, but you just kind of gave up on because you were so focused on track and getting an education? Well, what are those things? And there's no reason you can't pursue them now, right? If anything, this is the perfect time to refocus and use those same skills you learned in track and field 
to push your success and drive into a different industry, a different area. Because, man, as athletes, you learn so much about trial and error. You learn so much about being disciplined that those are skills that applied to anything will give you great success, especially when you have a passion behind it. You know, so it's so much more than your sport that you gained when you had that level, that great level of success. You know, you can apply that to anything right now. It's just a matter of figuring out for yourself where to go. And that's not easy. That's not an easy conversation to have. That's not an easy path to go down because it's you're starting all the way over again. Right. And no one wants to start over and feel like they're a rookie. And I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, when you were a freshman, when you were a rookie, when you were just getting into your sport, like you were horrible. I remember when I first started running track, I'd look at my form from like old videos and look at my form from before I retired. And I mean, it's night and day, right? But it took me years, years of work, years of dedication, years of commitment, years of discipline, years of um, getting mentors, getting coaches, watching film. But all that to say is there was a lot of dedication put into that. And I just had to sit down and think with myself, if I could put that same level of dedication and attention and focus into whatever area in life I want to transfer to, I can be just as good as I was in track. But when you unlock that side of yourself that says I can be anything I want to be right, I was a great athlete, but that doesn't mean that's the only thing I have potential to be in this life. You know, I think you reach a different form of um, passion within yourself and a sense of discovery, too. And one part that kind of sparked my thoughts when you were talking was around, you know, the hard conversation in terms of the mentors and the coaches you had, in terms of the hard conversation you had to have yourself. At your time at Troy University, or even previously in high school, was mental health in sports ever discussed? Or was it ever a conversation among coaches, among mentors, among teammates? Man, um, so I'll date myself a little bit. I graduated high school in 2011 and graduated college at, in 2015. So um, the conversation around mental health in sports really was in its infancy. And at that time, it really wasn't even taken seriously, right? Um, and I had a lot of hard-nosed coaches growing up, including my dad, who was amazing, right? I, I love him to death. But the, the mentality, you know, in those days, as far as sports goes, you know, you, it's grind culture, right? Like we get up at 5 a.m. and we work, you know, if you're sad, you're still going to the gym, right? If we got reps to do, we're still knocking that out. And we're not necessarily paying attention to, you know, how your mental health is right now or what that means, because whatever your mental health is, we still need you to focus on the game. We need you to focus on the race coming up. We need you to focus on the goal, right? So it did kind of callous our minds as athletes um, growing up because whenever you're going through anything, you kind of now have this mentality of, you know, I just run through it, right? I just run through it and keep going. I put my head down and I don't look up until I reach the finish line. And, um, so from that perspective, I had never really understood what mental health was, especially from an athlete's perspective, because my mindset generally was, man, you just keep pushing through, right? You keep grinding. You just do extra reps. You come in, you be quiet and you do the work and you get it done and you see the results later and you'll be happy about the results, right? You might not be happy now, but you'll be happy when you have that trophy. You'll be happy when you have that medal. When you break that record, you know, that's what's going to fulfill you. But I don't think until after 
everything was over that I understood that, man, it, it's it's much more serious than we really understand. And to match up the time frame there, as someone who finished high school in 2010 and finished my undergrad in 2014, under a background of social work, have the conversation around social work and sports and mental health, even at the university level, society didn't help because even the university was looking at me like, no, nah, there's no real connection there. But as we know from your own experience and from numerous athletes' experiences, there definitely is a strong connection that needs to be talked about more. And thankfully, it has been discussed more in the last decade. But what would you say are some changes you'd like to see or that you've seen that you've been happy to see? So um, I definitely I'm a strong believer in, you know, be the change you want to see. And I was so blessed to have finished the book because it gave me the opportunity to meet people like you and to be in conversations with a lot of other athletes who are doing the same work to where we are now understanding that, hey, there's a serious problem here that the NCAA, that colleges, these big name universities, these power five conferences, they have the budgets, they have the money to a lot to focusing on this, but we just don't because, you know, it's something we don't see as a benefit, right? I see athlete mental health and post mental health today, um, as CTE when it first started, right? When CTE was first a thing, it was kind of like this this ghost that we really didn't believe in until people started showing the real results of how it was affecting people. And so now we truly consider it, right? And you fast forward to modern day, we have rules into implemented in sports to protect people's heads, but it wouldn't even have been a conversation if someone didn't start the initial statement of CTE in general. And so I definitely believe the work we're doing and the work um, I'm focused on now, getting this content, getting this information in the hands of athletes, but more importantly, in the hands of coaches, in the hands of athletic directors, in the hands of programs, because I'm reaching out to different schools and different colleges now to try to, you know, foster that relationship or foster that conversation of what is going on in the athlete world and what it has always been going on, right? But what we're now being able to, put a name to, put a word to, and have an honest and open, transparent conversation about. So as of now, I haven't seen any big changes when it comes to this area, but I do know colleges and universities are working towards finding something that works and something that's feasible to help students. But I definitely believe there's a lot of work we have to do as far as making sure this message is out there and offering athletes content and offering them resources to where they can speak about what's going on with them to where they can be open. Because to be completely honest, when I was going through my athlete transition, I thought I was by myself. I thought I was the only one who really felt sad that track was over. And I felt spoiled, to be honest, you know, Um, as a college athlete, uh, division one school, there are certain benefits that come with that, right? Like you have access to different clothes. You have access to the best facilities. You have access to um, advisors. So you do live a life that is kind of what what's, what most college students would consider a fantasy. And when that's over, to feel bad about that, right? You do have a sense of feeling spoiled. But when you understand that you earn those privileges from the work and dedication you put in um, to your sport, you know, it, it's like losing a life. And it's a life that you have to, you don't get any choice in losing it, right? 
It's not necessarily because some people I, I got to finish my career. I was blessed that I got to actually run and perform all the way to my last race. But, you know, some people get hurt and all of that is taken from them and it's just gone in an instant. And like, what do you do as a young adult who has used the vehicle of athleticism and sports to be successful and navigate life? And in an instant, it's taken, right? That identity is gone and they have to re reconfigure themselves and kind of rediscover where to go next, you know? So I, I definitely want to make sure to let athletes know that they're not by themselves and there's a space they can go to to share. And I think two points that's really stands out to myself is one, again, having that support there so you don't feel alone, but also having that support to understand the mental health and the athlete identity as well. Because again, there can be mental health professionals and counselors on site, but they have no understanding around an athlete mentality, an athlete culture, you know, what an athlete endures on a regular basis. Then that rapport and that, that leadership is not going to be represented well. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely believe it's a conversation that um, as athletes and like ex-athletes, we have to we have to be here to have these conversations because it is an experience that you have to experience. Right. It's hard to talk to a 20 something year old about their experience about being an athlete, a hardcore athlete when, you know, you haven't done the 5 a.m.s for years. Right. And all of a sudden now, when that athlete gets up at 5 a.m. to work out after they're retired, you don't have the same drive or passion because you're used to working out for the game, right? You're used to working out because you have a, a track meet this week. You're used to working out for a purpose. And now you're getting up at 5 a.m. and you're just now looking around at the gym because, sure, you could push yourself to a new PR, but it's like, why? I don't have any... There's no reason to anymore. I remember constantly having those thoughts going to the gym um, where I would, you know, push myself to go heavier, push myself to go farther. And the, the reoccurring thought was, why am I doing this now? You know, I used to do it because I was motivated to get a PR. I was motivated to run faster. I was motivated to help my team to contribute. But now there really isn't anything to contribute to. You know, if I'm being completely honest, I want to be healthy and I want to be fit. But to be healthy and fit, you don't have to run a 4240. You know, that's just completely honest. You don't have to bench 400, 300 pounds to be in good shape anymore. And so when those thoughts kind of crossed my head, it's like, okay, it, it kind of, it's like, it's like deflating a balloon. You know, slowly going back to the gym was, it, it felt completely different, right? The drive with everything about it was different. So, those were those are the very small, subtle details about that transition that we don't pay attention to. We just kind of blow it off. But that that's a mental shift you're having that you have to stop with yourself and reason with, you know, you need a different drive now. You need a different motivation for getting out there and being active and keeping yourself healthy. Because if not, you know, a lot of athletes, once they are done, that drive does leave. And so their health goes with it, right? It doesn't happen automatically, of course, but you do see over the years, right? You get out of shape or you get so far out of shape that you go to a point of being overweight or you're underweight, right? And you kind of let yourself go. But I do believe there's a healthy balance just to being an adult and being um, 
successful in life in general, where you do have to stay active just for your own benefit. But those things happen if not talked about. And really what you need to do, and I'm going to reference your book when I say this, chapter three is finding a new you. So it's finding, okay, what is the next version, next step going to look like in terms of that transition? So we're going to run it back there and talk about life after the field. Again, this is a book that you put out about a year and a half, two years ago. And it's, again, it's a passion you always wanted to be an author. So walk us through how you decided to put this together. And even the chapters you had in terms of, you know, finding a new you, learning the basics, mind control. And again, the part I really love is the letter at the end in terms of letter to former athletes. Absolutely. So when I originally put the book together, the idea that it started from was once a college athlete graduates and they walk across that stage and get that degree, I want, I I always imagine like a coach or like their trainer or someone that, you know, just loved them um, for who they were, walked up to them with this book as well and told them, I want you to read this book. Um, I understand that you're about to go into a whole new life, but I think this book could help you move through that well as well. Um, Because I think that was something I really would have benefited from and I really would have liked to have. Um, But I did want to make the book short. I wanted to make it a quick read so people could always go back and reference it, right? Um, I think the book in total might be like 76 or 80 pages. And I did that intentionally so athletes could earmark it, they could find their best chapter, and they could, you know, get a quick read, right? A quick hit. They could always go back to a message they saw, go back to that chapter, read it, nibble on it, because some things when you read it the first time, it doesn't necessarily um, resonate with you. But as you go through that transition, as you go through life, as you go through that rediscovery process, you might have to go back to that chapter and chew on it once again. But I didn't want something that would take you all day to kind of read through. I didn't want it to be something that you had to. This is something you could probably read on your lunch break. This is something you could pick up and you could read on a road trip. You know, you could read on a Saturday morning. And I wanted to put it out with that intention of readability, of digestibility, of the referencing, of being able to pick up this book at any time and use it, whether it's right after you walked across the stage at graduation or it's two years after you graduated and you're still trying to figure it out. I want this book to be something that you could always reference and it could be convenient for you to give you a message to be intentional and allow you to not only take in a message, but read it quick and apply action. Because I definitely I come from a place of intention of you can read this book all day. And if you read this book and you don't actually apply what's in it, it's not going to matter. So that's why I I definitely believed in it being short, because the messages themselves, they're impactful, but they're very concise. And I wanted them to be concise. I didn't want to take, you know, 200, 300 pages to get through this. I want people to get back to their life that because that's the goal at the end of this is for you to transition and for you to move on to whatever it is you want to do and not need this book anymore. This is something you pick up when it's like, I'm feeling down today. Let me read this chapter and get back to living my life, right? I believe life is for the living, and I don't want this book to consume um, that transition. I just want it to be a part of it, right? I want it to be here to, uh, what's what's the best way to think of it? Like a, a knee brace, right? 
it helps in the interim, but it's not supposed to be there all the time, right? You pick it up and use it when you got to. You put that brace on when you need it, but take it off, right? You, it's, it's not meant for you to be relying on. But I love the way it ended up turning out, and I, I definitely believe um, God did a great work in allowing me to write it in a way that is concise and it's digestible and it allows people to come back to it and reference it um, as they please. The part that I really enjoyed about when I was reading it was you can tell the lived experience is there. This is not someone that has not experienced, like I said, that 5 a.m. calls to get up and train, you know, who's experienced in terms of, okay, now what? That kind of wild transition of, okay, you know, I just ran my last meet and now what? And you, you know, right from the first line, you talk about running your final meet in Florida, if I'm correct. And yeah, absolutely. Okay, now what is the next phase going to look like? And, and knowing that lots of athletes are going through that same thing, you know, after the last meet, after the last shot, after the last down. And so I think I really, and I, I literally wrote that I wanted that to be the first sentence because even to this day, like I can picture, I can see that sunset and I can see the track. I can, I can hear the sounds, like all of it is there. You know, and it, it was definitely like something out of a movie in that moment where I was just sitting with myself, you know, reflecting on everything. And I truly believe every athlete has that moment where it's like that was that was it. Like that was the last time I will ever put my spikes on. That's the last time I'll ever put this jersey on, right? And I definitely wanted to be transparent and open to establish that credibility of being there because the thought, the thought process I believe we have when that happens is, you know, years of working out years of training, years of dedication, years of sacrifice. And it was over in an instant, like it all ended. And it's like, where did it go that fast? Where? And now, now that it's gone, will I ever, be as passionate for anything else in life as I am about this sport, right? And that's that's the scary part about it because living life without passion, living life without drive, it's, it's scary. You know, you're kind of like a zombie at that point. You, you lose your element of being human. You know, sports allows us to be our best selves. It allows us to be the most alive. And for a lot of us, you know, as we transition, that's kind of where we get stuck because we do feel like that was, that was the best I was going to get as far as being alive. And I'll never get that again. And that can't, that couldn't be the biggest lie when it comes to living your life. Right. I believe you can most certainly have that passion or have more passion for something else. But it's all about finding what that is. And it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to come knocking for you. You have to go out there and find it again. Right. Uh, You have to take that risk and not be afraid to try something new. And that I think for me, that was probably one of the scariest areas, because with my business itself, I pride myself on making uh, my ties by hand. So I had to teach myself to sew. And, uh, to this day, um, I can sew a tie literally in my sleep, but I started sewing in 20, 
2017, I want to say. I want to say it was 2017 where I got my first sewing machine and I was like, okay, this is the first step, right? And the first time I started sewing, it sucked. It was horrible, right? And what I used as fuel was my experiences in sports. Like I went back to when I was playing baseball and I had to learn how to hit. And I would strike out a lot, right? And you you just keep trying. You have to keep going. You have to keep going at bat to get good. And you have to strike out. And you have to embarrass yourself. And you have to go through that, that rookie phase of like, man, am I ever going to be good? But you start to realize, and this is the beauty of sports, you start to realize the more you keep showing up, the more you keep doing your best, the more you keep pouring your all into it, eventually you start to see results. So with uh, developing my skills in sewing, I remember when I made the first tie that actually looked like a tie. It wasn't perfect, but it actually looked like a tie, right? That moment for me was such a spark because all the, the weeks, the months of just sitting at that sewing machine and trying to stitch right, trying to learn how to put together a sewing machine, trying to learn the anatomy of a sewing machine, how to learn how to thread a needle, how to learn how to pick out fabrics and how to learn how to get the proper lining. All these details that we learn in sports when it comes to like, we make it really simple baseball, right? You have to learn what type of bat to use. You have to learn your batting stance. You have to learn if choking up works for you or if it doesn't work for you. You need to learn how to move your hips a certain way. All these very intricate details that go into just hitting a ball and being good in baseball. That moment for me was when that tie came together and it was like, okay, I've got something. I can do this, right? I can make, if I put more work into this and my passion and my drive into it, it's a real thing that can happen just like sports. And that was such a very real life moment to me because that, that's when I realized it was never about sports. It was never about baseball, football, or track and field. What I had learned in sports was life. I learned life skills of you have to fail at something to be good at it. You have to be willing to step out there, make a mistake, learn from that mistake. And instead of saying, oh yeah, I quit because I'm not good the first few times, you have to get up and say, I'm going to be good at this. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep swinging. I'm going to keep punching. And eventually I'm going to break through. And we learned that, that that's almost foundational to every successful athlete is that ability to just keep pushing through. But I had to apply that same mindset that I discovered in athletes to now sewing. Who would have knew that, you know, being a great athlete would have made me a great seamstress, right? And But that's essentially what happened. And I want to be able to pass that same message on to whoever's listening that you can transfer that same drive you had in sports into whatever area you want, but you do have to pay the price of whatever it is to be good in that industry. Just like in your sport, right? If you want to be good as a freshman, there's a price you have to pay, right? There's sacrifices. You can't go party every night. You can't do everything everyone else does, right? But in that sacrifice creates you paying the price to be good at what you do. And that's going to be in whatever you choose to do in this life. And I can imagine how therapeutic in a way it would have been going on that journey Especially after, like I said, that you know the grief and loss of that girlfriend of track and field of saying, "Okay, I, I've lost this girlfriend of eight years, and now what?" And then going through, like I said, writing your book, 
going into the business, being a seamstress. So going into all those different aspects of life and how therapeutic and healing that must have been as well. Oh man, it was it was refreshing. Like it was goodness. It was it was almost the same or really better because I figured I, I really it discovered um, freedom within myself. Because I think as athletes, we all have that moment we remember in our sport where we felt like we were actually good, where it all came together. And it's like, I can be really good at this. I can do this. And that's what that moment was for me. But I think it it really resonated with me so much, so much stronger because it was in something that had nothing to do with sports anymore. And so now the narrative in my head was, I can definitely be more than an athlete. But I can definitely be exceptionally well at something just like I was as an athlete and have the same drive and passion. And so I understood that in this life, it has nothing to do with sports doesn't offer you something exclusively that you can't have in another area in life, you know, and that was it was so much freeing. And I, I gained so much freedom from that moment in experience. And, and even in terms of, you know, I'm sure the first time you got the copy after it was published of your book. I can just imagine the feeling that must have been as well. Oh, man, it was it's almost indescribable because I never really I always wanted to be an author and I always had a passion for writing and putting my thoughts out in conversation. But I never really imagined that that was going to be a real thing as far as like publishing a book and, you know, bringing that to the masses where anyone in the world could buy that book. I think I had really great momentum going into the book from starting the business, right? And establishing within myself that, oh no, I can do at that point, man, I was unstoppable. I really felt like I could do anything because I had published, I mean, I'd started the business. And then after I started the business, um, I joined the military. And so that is its own journey in itself. I think anyone that goes through basic training, that's a part of this nation's military, regardless of the branch you serve in. I mean, that's an experience in itself of starting out not knowing how to do anything. And I was completely green when it came to anything from a military aspect, right? I'd never fired a rifle before. I never really got into, because you also do hand-to-hand combat um, in basic training, and I'd never really been one outside of sports to get really physical. So that was a different experience. But, you know, just like life or just like sports itself, you know, you, you, to get through that, you can't run away from it. You have to attack it. You have to learn, you have to get better. Cause I was a horrible shot when I started, right. I I didn't know how to shoot the broad side of a barn, but like, as I listened, as I was humble to take advice from my drill sergeants, as I was understanding enough to understand, I'm not good at this. Let me reach out to people who are good at this to learn and being successful in graduating basic training. You know, it it just kept building that momentum. The more I attacked things I was scared to do in my life, the more I went after the things that that caused a little fear, that caused a little risk. And I would accomplish and get successful um, and gain success in it. It really pushes your momentum towards doing you feel like you can accomplish anything as long as you put your mind to it and you're not willing to give up because you lost on the first try. And it's so true because, again, being able to, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to reach out for that help when we need it, no matter if it's in the workplace, if it's you know on the court or on the field, or even in our own personal life to say, hey, I'm really struggling right now. I need to reach out for some help for my own mental or emotional health. 
Absolutely. And I think as, as athletes, we always have to remember that regardless, regardless of what sports you played, you know, any good athlete has to have a team around them. Right. Even if, when you talk about individual sports, right, you still have to have your trainers. You still have to have your coaches. You still have to have a network of people backing you to be successful. Whatever you're transitioning into in this new life, you still need a team behind you. Right. You might necessarily it might necessarily be a coach, but maybe it's a mentor now. Right. Maybe you get out there and find resources because going into business, I didn't have a lot of resources from a standpoint of like mentor. So. I listened to podcasts, right? I found people. I looked people up and I stuck to some of their guidance, right? I understood I didn't know what I was doing and I understood I needed a coach because I understood the value of having someone who's been there before, who's done it, who has the experience, who has the knowledge. And whatever you're going into, look for a coach, look for a mentor, look for teammates. Like I think the best thing, one of the best things we learned in sports is that you have to learn to work with other people. You have to learn how to cooperate. You have to learn how to give a little to get a little. And those relationships benefit everybody when we learn how to work together or we when we understand that I can be great, but I can't be great just by myself. I do need help. And that's okay to need help, right? Tom Brady is a quarterback and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But I guarantee you when you talk to him, he will thank his defense his offensive line, he'll thank his wide receivers, he'll thank his running backs, he'll thank his coaches, he'll thank his nutritionists. He will admit that he has a full staff of people behind him that help him to be successful. And I think we always have to remember that as athletes because when we reach that success, we can kind of get in our heads and believe that we've done it by ourselves. when the whole time we've had people pushing us, we've had family behind us, we've had people cheering for us on the sidelines. And that just, that always gives you motivation. And as you transition to that new field or new industry, look for those same elements. They help. One person I definitely got to throw out there, especially since she made the Tom Brady reference, is even, I said Tom Brady often says this in an interview a number of years ago. He said numerous people he wanted to thank for his career, but one of those people was Greg Harden at the University of Michigan, pretty much the pioneer of sports social work and had been working with athletes in their mental health since Brady's days at the University of Michigan. So being able to even look at you know, the goats of football, even talk about their mental Absolutely. health. Again, I think it just speaks to how are we going to shatter the stigma is through the furthering the conversation. It's having books like yourself in terms of life after the field. It's having the conversation grow further in the media, in podcasts, among coaches, among athletes, trainers. And again, it's getting the word out to the masses. So again, for yourself, Ben, how can people find yourself and this book? Absolutely. So you can definitely find me on social media, uh, on Instagram. You can find me at Life After The Field, or you can follow my business, uh, Martin Etiquettes. Um, if you are looking for me uh, via email, you can definitely reach out to my email. It's just at martinetiquettes at gmail.com. Um, you could DM me, you, whatever, whatever way you need to reach out to me, especially if you want to talk and have a conversation. You know, this is what I'm truly passionate about. I enjoy especially uh, guiding athletes through this transitioning and just giving the knowledge that I've gained from my experience. So I am an open book. I would welcome and love anyone to reach out if you're going through this or you can relate or you just need someone to talk to about your transition and where you want to go next. And, you know, you're having questions about a different field you want to get into. You know, I'm open for that conversation. Please reach out for me. I understand you. I've been there. You're not alone. You're not weak. 
You know, you're not crazy. You're not spoiled. You're not a brat. You know, you're going through a real human experience and you're transitioning. And so that's something you should honor and respect and get help. You know, we're here. We're providing those resources for you. And I want to help you. And we'll definitely tag all your information there in our post there as well. And like I said, when people go to your page, Life After the Field, they can scroll down and you can order the book, like say either paperback or ebook, right off the uh, link tree there as well. So people can find your book that way as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And if you can't go to the link tree, you know, you can go via Amazon. It's available at Barnes and Nobles. You can go online at Walmart and purchase the book. Um, I do have an ebook as well via my Etsy shop for my business, Martin Etiquettes. Um, you can also visit uh, martinetiquettes.com to give you access to the book. Um, but guys, the biggest thing, you know, don't ignore what you're going through. You're going through a very real experience that all of us, especially once we're done with sports, have gone through and are going through and you're not alone. Don't go through this alone. One thing we often like to do here at Corsair Wellness as well is what we call the rapid questions. So it's just kind of first thoughts come to mind. What is one memory that will always stick for yourself as part of your athletic career? Oh, man, it's going to be breaking the school record at Troy University for sure. And it sticks with me more than anything else because a uh, little family history. My dad held the 100-meter uh, record at Troy University. He was, uh, I think he was at the third or fourth spot. Um, when I broke it. So to break his record um, as a man, I respect and love so dearly that literally trained me in track and field, you know, to break that record. It was that was almost, you know, an out of body experience to really be there and just to be able to shake his hand and look him in the face. And, you know, for him to see his son, you know, live up to the standard he set, man, that moment was, you know, that's it was heavenly. Yeah, that's amazing. I can only imagine. In terms of one word of advice you could give current athletes, what would it be? Take risks. Take risks. Put yourself out there. You know, th there's a lot of things that will stop you in life. You never want to live with the regret of not doing something. And that's what motivates me to this very day. I never want to be on my deathbed and think, what if I did X, Y, and Z? What if I opened the business? What if I wrote the book? What if I tried something different? What if I tried to mend this relationship? Like I'd never want to live with any regrets. I want to die empty. And that's what I want for every athlete, you know, die empty, man. Just because you were good at sports, there are so many things that are, that is left for you to do in this life. Don't die with the regret of not doing it. it you will feel much, you can look at yourself a lot better at the end of the day. If you do it and you fail, than if you never tried at all. You will respect yourself and you will live a much more fulfilled life if you get out there and try something. But not doing anything is going to leave you stuck. So, so important in so many different aspects. Like I said, not just on the field, but again, like I said, off the field there as well. And this is always my favorite question to ask. In your opinion, what makes a well athlete? Oh, that's a really good question. I think what makes a well athlete is the balance. Because um, I, I definitely believe to, to be a truly successful athlete, you have to understand the balance you need, right? And I think that was something I really got to understand in track and field. Um, because you typically perform your best and you run your best when your body is relaxed and composed. Um, 
when you're looking at it on TV, it looks like the people running are very um, tense and their muscles are very uh, strained. But in all honesty, the runners who are running the fastest are the people who are the most relaxed. They're not tense. If you look at their necks, their necks are very relaxed. Their face is very relaxed, right? You have to find a balance, I believe, in any sport to truly be successful, right? If you don't know how to find that intensity and know when to cut it on and when to cut it off, right? You're always going to be operating at a level that is going to burn you out. And you have to establish that with yourself as an athlete, right? Um, You have to know when to rest. All athletes need rest. You can't go to the gym every day of the week and expect to establish the physical gains you're looking for, right? And those performance gains, you have to allow your body to truly stop. And a lot of athletes have hard time doing that, especially if they grew up in the uh, the age that we grew up in, where it was it was that hardcore like grind culture that we're getting up every day and we're we're hitting the gym, we're getting these things done, we're going to the track, right? But everyone needs you need to let your muscles relax and understanding that balance between working hard and giving your best when it's time to practice, but when it's time to rest, it's truly time to rest. It's not time to, you know, I'm going to wake up a little later today and then I'm going to go run four miles. No, it's time to rest the entire day. Sit down, let your muscles recover, heal, eat well, rest, take a nap. Like I think those are the things uh, when you establish that balance is when you truly begin to find that success and that greatness in sports. Definitely a fine line and a dance that, you know, it takes time for athletes to find, but definitely takes care of the whole body in a way to the body and the mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ben, very much appreciate you joining us here on Courtside Wellness today. Appreciate you sharing your story. And also for, for in terms of being that support and advocate for mental health in the sport community. Again, we need the conversation to carry on we need like i said more athletes like yourself being able to talk about their experience and that's the only way we're going to shatter the stigma absolutely thank you so much for having me brandon anytime you need me i'd love to come back i love talking about this and i love what you're doing with this platform it's so impactful to have something athletes can literally go to and pop on and listen to and get great messages from athletes from all over the world I love what you're doing. I love this work and keep pushing, stay motivated and just keep striving towards where you want this to go because this is truly amazing work. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll definitely said uh, have you back on in the future as well. Yes, sir. Thank you. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to check out other episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Podbean. You can also follow us on social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.